Hey there, badass. Welcome to the Leading Rebels podcast, your bi-weekly dose of inspiring advice dished up by kick-ass female leaders. I'm your host, Kat Brindell, and this is episode five of season two, an interview with Linda Jones, the proud voice of the performance feedback platform Small Improvements, on solo contributor and leader not being mutually exclusive. Jones is an avid networker who is passionate about people, workplaces, and cultures. She holds both Australian and German passports and has lived for years as a global nomad, traveling constantly between North America, Australia, and Europe. In her seven plus years as the proud voice of small improvements, Linda has helped the business grow and work with over 700 companies to make performance feedback more meaningful. She's a collector of stories, experiences, and beer labels on a mission to improve the future of work. Real quick, before we dive into the great interview, I wanted to share something with you. As some of you might know, I grew up trilingual and then learned a fourth language at school, which has been a huge, huge benefit in my career, which is why I'm excited to share that Babbel, the online platform for language learning, is now also available for businesses. With Babbel, your employees can choose from 14 languages, start at any entry level, and learn whenever it suits them, for example, while commuting to work. Babbel is a great way to support your team in communicating international markets, since it offers courses with relevant business content, such as meetings, customer service, negotiations, and much more. Plus, language learning can also improve the cooperation within your company and be a nice extra benefit for your employees. Special business features in Babbel include regular reports, a personal syllabus, and the option to practice with a live teacher. And here's the extra special perk. As a Leading Rebels listener, if you get started now and get at least 10 one-year licenses, you'll also get a free Babbel live tutoring session for every employee. Just email corporates at babbel.com and mention Leading Rebels to get in on this great deal. So go ahead and empower your team with Babbel. That's, again, corporates at babble.com and mention Leading Rebels. That's it. Now let's dive in into today's inspiring interview. Well, hi, Linda. Lovely to talk to you today at the Small Improvements office, which I already gushed about because they're super homey and really nice Berlin apartment feeling, I'd almost say. Would you want to introduce yourself to the listeners a little bit about your history? What did you do before Small Improvements? How did it get started? Thank you for having me, Kat. Yes, hi. I'm, I'm Linda. I'm German and went to school here. I have a Polish background as well. My mother is from Poland. And I studied in London. I studied graphic design. So the first part of my career, I was a graphic designer doing packaging design. I always loved to travel a lot. So I traveled around the world for a year and was interested in cultures and uh, and different people and societies in general. So my job as a graphic designer wasn't the most fulfilling. So when I was in Australia, I locked into a position that I wasn't entirely comfortable in with my with my former employer and finally had the courage to leave that organization, I got to a point where I was exploring new options. Like, what can I do with, with my career? I have some skills and some <laughs> uh, passions of mine. And I just said yes to everything that came up. So I traveled and I helped out friends with their needs. I opened up my own business. I uh, did some non-for-profit work. I did some art block picture framing stuff on the side and just got involved with different things. And one of one of those times when I said, hey, yes, I can help you, was uh, visiting my friend Pear here in Berlin and uh, saying, all right, you have, you're building a software company. What exactly is it? And you need a logo and a business card. And I had marketing as a minor. I can help you kind of and, and just getting involved in that. And 
I accidentally stumbled upon my calling through that. So being in a position where I didn't enjoy my work or the company that I was working for, I now get to work with the most incredible companies in the world and speak with HR leaders on how to make work a better place. So it's been it's been a fascinating journey for me to see how all of those little puzzle pieces of culture and travel and 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 my passions came together and actually made sense as a career. So now I get to travel around <laughs> and visit companies and conferences and discuss the future of work and try and help less people have such bad experiences at work and uh, grow and succeed in their careers. I think that's beautiful. And I also love that you tried out a lot of different things because I think a lot of people overthink it. They say, I want to have a change. And they think I have to decide now what that is going to be and plan this out for the next 20 years. And I believe that Spiritfolio says like clarity comes from action, not thought. So by, as you said, you, theoretically, you stumbled upon this, but if you wouldn't have been doing these things and been open to trying new things, you might have never found this. And so I think it's also a valuable lesson to tell you, like, if you don't know, then try things. Don't just stay in your head and try to figure everything out in that moment. Absolutely. Having, I mean, I was, I was lucky to be in that position as well to granting myself that time to explore. But um, it was it was super powerful to just saying yes and good things happened. And I, I would have never, ever picked HR. I actually have a friend who studied HR. And I remember when, when she told me that she was going to do HR in the early 2000s, I looked at her and I thought, but you're intelligent, you're pretty. <laughs> Why would you want to do that job of paper pushing and, and filing in a, in a dark room? Like to me, HR was someone who's hiring and firing people maybe and, and, and making sure that we all get paid. And now I think HR is probably the most important job because if we have better workplaces, if people are happy at work, if you build a culture of trust and belonging and uh, you build better workplaces – then the people are happier and they are also better partners, better parents. Um, the, the whole world is really a better place. So HR has a really key position and it's been transitioning from just that paper movement that, that's now all automized to really being more leaders of the organization and business partners on how to um, set up the workplace in a meaningful way, how to create clear values for companies to, to work towards. Absolutely. And I also think it has changed very much uh, in recent years. I think one of the podcast interviews was actually with a mutual friend of ours who's a HR manager. And we also talked about this, how it's completely transformed how people view HR. It has much more of an active role in, in companies and not such a proactive, just reacting to, oh, you need somebody or let's, you know, filings or do or anything like that sure. the biggest difference that we can make is really setting up great teams and I love what uh, Erica is doing uh, there with with just playing with the concept of work and seeing how can we restructure organizations how can we how can we make this work so far we've been using a lot of crutches on you come you know nine to five or whatever and speaking of workspaces mm. I think your role and how you've grown and developed in your type at Small Improvements has also changed 
since its beginning. Do you want to maybe share a little bit? I mean, as when you came in, it was like basically at point zero. <laughs> you were an employee or part, you mean a co-founder technically of this thing. And then how now you're a thriving, growing company, you know, bursting at the seams basically. So how's that transition been and how's your role developed in that time? Yeah, I'm, I'm not officially a co-founder, but it definitely feels that way. I definitely um, have a very uh, strong feeling around small improvements and it does feel like my baby. Just a little bit of background because we haven't introduced it yet. Yes, it is an HR software. Uh, small improvements is a software to help companies communicate better internally, do regular feedback, um, ongoing praise, recognition, one-on-ones, set your goals and expectations and communicate around them, as well as help you get the 360 feedback from your peers so that the traditional performance review that is so often dreaded is becomes more of a check-in point where you go by, okay, based on what we discussed in the past, how do we move on here now to the future and what do we need to focus on? So we're really helping organizations to have better conversations with each other, help managers be more effective in, in, in their job and uh, create an open culture. Because I was there so early, it was basically in the beginning, Pear was here in, in Berlin and I was in Sydney and together we could cover the world 24 hours. Most of our customers were sitting in the San Francisco Bay Area, so eventually it made sense for us to employ people in the US as well and, and, and grow our team. So when we did that, it became a natural move for me to become the manager of the team. I mean, I was I had my own time zone there in Australia. I was doing the customer service and support. I could not only train the new people, but maybe also guide them into, into where we want to go. But it's a position that I fell into being so early in an organization. As the team grew, it became to a point where my title was director of marketing. I had my own time zone of support and, and customers. I was leading the team of support, success, and anything basically that wasn't development and IT. And I was traveling around the world, going to conferences, doing marketing or something. It, was, it just became such an all-encompassing, non-manageable job uh, to me at some point that we knew we had to do some changes and one of the things that that got me thinking was uh, we did we did a panel series of helping managers become better managers so we believe a software is only ever as good as the people using it so we like to bring mm -hmm. together the community and and help each other and educate each other and inspire what what can go better and while doing those panels <laughs> And talking about leadership and management, I've realized how many organizations are setting up an alternative path. Traditionally, you always just go up the career ladder and it's expected and that's a progress and that's desirable. But what we really forget is that that might not be our strength. Just because you're a good developer doesn't mean that you're a good people manager of other developers. It's a completely different role. So what many organizations are looking at right now is implementing this individual contributor path because it shouldn't be a either you go up the ladder or you have no way to progress. There has to be an alternative on how we can still grow and develop and um, have some room for improvement and growth in your organization. So this whole approach of, of giving permission to move away from management 
allowed me also to focus on my strength and see that maybe I'm not really made for being the best manager. This is not the best service that I can give to, to the organization. And um, so I stepped down and uh, we restructured the organization. And uh, yes, now I am an individual contributor and very happy with that role. <laughs> But that's a super interesting transition. And I imagine uh, it might be resonating with some people listening that they say like, yeah, I'm, I am an expert at what I do. I do have, see I have a different interpretation of leadership, which we can touch on in a second. <laughs> um, but, you know, I want to progress, but this management thing is, doesn't seem exciting to me. But maybe in their companies, they have not set that up yet. Maybe there is no clear path. And since um, you also kind of were, I'm assuming, one of the first ones that brought this up on such a bigger scale, since you saw it in other companies, maybe it's interesting for them to know how did you approach that conversation internally and what things did you do internally to make that happen? If there's somebody else thinking, okay, I would like that at my company. They don't have it right now. How can I suggest this? How can we have a conversation and make this a reality? Hmm. Great question. It was a slow transition, but also with the amount of work that I had been doing and all the travels, it just wasn't feasible. And I think we all knew that. So we had, I had chats with my, my manager, I had chats with, with my teammates, and um, we kind of always knew who wanted to be in leadership positions. Uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't really a surprise. I mean, the good thing is in a small company that is so agile and where things change all the time, Uh, you just do it and try it and move on. <laughs> like we just set that up and said, "Hey, do you, do you want to be this?" and um, and and did it right. And it's working out really, really well. I think everyone is much happier. It doesn't need to be negative. I think initially it does feel like a step down because you're not involved as much, but it really shouldn't. And I would like to give everyone the permission and <laughs> uh, courage to. Also admit on what you're good at and what you're not and and follow that. And it makes so much more sense for, for all parties involved. I mean, you've been doing this now for a while, so you, you've obviously found a groove and it was it was definitely the right choice. But in maybe in the beginning, in that first transition, is there any tips you can give people? Did you maybe do something that you swung to the other side or you tried still to be too involved? Was there something where you were still trying to find your footing where you'd be like, hey, FYI, this could happen or here's some tips I have from my experience? Yeah, if I were to do it again, I would I would do a few things differently. I think... I think the difficulty from being a manager of of a whole team to then being a peer and um, working next to them, the the biggest danger is that they can still perceive you as trying to manage them or tell them something. So we had to establish a new relationship. And my initial way of dealing with it, which I wouldn't recommend anyone to do, was to <laughs> swing into the other direction and really just stay away from everything else. Like not be as involved with, with commenting on anything. I didn't want to be seen as, as uh, trying to manage anyone else or still having, you know, pushing my opinion, really letting go. And this letting go, I think I took a little bit too far. I would suggest for everyone to maybe have more honest conversations at that point and manage the expectations better as well. Because I was traveling the whole time and I was in different places and I was doing my own thing anyway on the side, it felt like a natural progression that we didn't speak about enough, potentially. So just addressing that elephant in a room. 
So I'm also wondering, and this segues really well into our next conversation about leadership. Since you're now not officially a manager, doesn't mean that you're not a leader in the company. And I think that goes hand in hand with our perception that is evolving of what leadership means. How do you still see yourself or how do you act as a leader? Or what do you know are the focus points that you want to be focusing on to do that well? Great question. I think if we focus really on our strength and our abilities and and, and um, strongholds of what we bring to the organization and highlight them better, then that gives permission to be asked for for feedback without the title as well. So since I've been here from the early days and I've been the face of small improvements and traveling around the world and getting all of the fantastic insights, there is no question that I still have input in the leadership of this company and where we're going. And I still have an impact. I'm just focusing more on my own um, projects and uh, maybe helping others succeed in, in what they're doing and supporting and offering feedback when it's, when it's needed, being open for that. You can drive the conversation. So, you know, if something is missing, be the change you seek and start the conversation that you want to be having, right? And and give your feedback and your input where you see it being needed. I think there are many ways of, of really owning that and driving that and then also um, eventually getting the respect from your colleagues of like, right, this is what you're really good at. Uh, if I have any kind of questions around that, that's where I need to go. So definitely that needs to have more self-promotion as well. I don't think I'm doing that well enough yet. I know that I can do so much better for all my <laughs> colleagues listening. <laughs> but um, but just showing, sharing more what you're doing, making a case for yourself and 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 sharing, yeah, this you can't overshare really of, of what you're doing to still show some leadership. Absolutely. And it's it's not an uncommon problem. I remember I had a colleague who was one of the few in the office who was remote. So I also had to be like, hey, you have to, you know, people in the office, they talk, they know what we're doing because we're sitting next to each other. You need to like pop your hand up a bit more and say like, hey, I did this great thing. Look at it. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, actively engage a bit more. And I think, as Yesu said, it's super valuable to have somebody you can go for feedback who has knowledge, who has been the company longer, who is in a, I'm going to say, not a senior position by leading a team, but in an experienced position and not have that barrier of like, oh, that's my boss who I report to. It's sometimes much better to have honest conversations and get good feedback in that type of setting as well. So it's super valuable to have those people in the company that others can go to. Absolutely, it is. And, and remote work is a good topic as well. Having worked from so many places uh, remotely and us having remote people, absolutely, this showing of what you're doing, what you're working on, what you're good at. I mean, there's thankfully a lot of software, like we're using Slack a lot of internal communication and highlighting or, you know, the, the whole praise and recognition feature that we're building and in highlighting other people's work um, or confluence and sharing documents there and really having the conversation wherever you are. I also love that I did try out the software, the fact that you let people say thank you to other people for whatever it may be, because often we all do small things during the day that have nothing to do, let's say, with our actual job, but it's helping out other people, even if it's like showing them how to set something up or, you know, just proofreading something real quick for somebody who wants a second pair of eyes and all these like helpful things that in the end help the company run and do it well and better but are not officially like this is a big project edit. It's also nice to have those small acknowledgements. 
Absolutely. A thank you can go such a long way. And it is, yeah, it is really, really important to create the culture and, and be grateful for the things that you want to see repeated so that you can really build build that culture. And speaking of your projects, I know you've built up this amazing interview series, uh, which I attended also one of them, and now you've already run seven. That's also obviously been super interesting. I'm sure talking with very experienced HR managers and getting their input on what leadership means in their companies, what it looks like, what their experience has been. What has been your the knowledge that you've uh, absorbed by osmosis, I'm going to say, <laughs> from these conversations? Yes, um, we've been lucky to to bring the community together in, in different cities and uh, and just help each other out because we don't need to all reinvent the wheel. There are some clear patterns that <laughs> that are established. So a great manager really facilitates, right? It's uh, He is at the service for the employee and and helping the person succeed and grow right so for that coaching skills are really important uh, if you're if you're a good coach and you don't micromanage but coach and enable you just ask the right questions and guide the person um, so empathy is is super important um, regular one-on-one -on -one meetings of really driving the, the the conversations and building trust and a relationship and really understanding the other person i think quite often we're we're trying to shoehorn people into jobs but really jobs should we build around the strength of the person and a great manager can really bring the right talents together and 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 is a fantastic matchmaker to to bring right teams together and have everyone excel there definitely follow through and prioritization skills are super important as well knowing what we're working on and, and where to go. Um, and some other points that came up was like being, you know, a good listener and being really curious about the other person. Uh, you have to have a, some self-reflection and actually know where you're standing. And you have to be able to give honest feedback. And this whole feedback piece is really hard because we all avoid the, the difficult conversations. So a great uh, talk and book if you're interested, is Radical Candor by Kim Scott, where you really, only if you have an established trust and you care for a person deeply, and if you're really radically honest, then you can be a good manager and, and leader. Because if you don't care and you're honest, you're an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> if you care but you're not honest, you're kind of an asshole too, because you're not helping the other person grow. And uh, and obviously the fourth quadrant is <laughs> pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> so so really having the great conversation, the, the good, the important conversations, the positive as well as the critical feedback, um, being vulnerable as well, and showing your limitations. It's kind of it. It all isn't rocket science. It's really is having a good relationship and being a service to your team and allowing them to do the right things. And I also actually love that you mentioned follow-through. I think we haven't done this one yet because, remember, it's for trust. It's one of those big ones. If people actually listen to everything you say, even if they don't they don't tell you. So if you said, yeah, I'll next week I'll do this, and then you don't, nobody's going to message you be like, hey, unless they are very radically honest and care, um, hey, you forgot to do this, but they will mark it as, and, okay, that is like minus points in the trust department because you said you said something and you didn't do it. Not yes. so great. <laughs> yes, taking a dollar out of the trust account. Yeah, definitely. Jumping in real quick to remind you about the great Babel for Business promo. 
Introduce online language learning to your company, an effective language learning tool, and thoughtful employee benefit. Just email corporates at babble.com and mention Lean Rebels to get a free live tutoring session for every employee and get started today. Also, now speaking from the perspective that small improvements is for HR professionals, and it's of course very much in that field, what role can HR play or what does it play in helping to support and grow good managers? Yeah, great question. We had managers, HR leaders, psychologists and other leadership enthusiasts together on the panel. So um, HR, HR is there to set up the processes, right? It can help to define um, what good looks like, eh? what are the expectations. So some companies set up leadership standards or people leader playbooks or manager service level agreements kind of thing, just to define what does good look like in our organization and, and what, are, what are your goals in, that you need to <laughs> succeed in to be a good manager here in our organization. So, so showcasing that. And then, of course, giving the support of not only the process, but also increasing the capabilities of how you manage. So you, there's manager training, um, there's workshops and, and, and role plays. How do you fire someone, right? Like that's a difficult conversation. Let's just go through this and practice and, and, and help each other out. So uh, I've also heard about um, just manager meetups where you meet up by different levels in the organization because if your manager is there, you're probably not going to be too honest about it. But really the peer group helping each other out because, again, we don't have to all reinvent the wheel. We can learn from each other, like what's working for you? How do you run your uh, your your team? Like are there many maybe some, some better questions for one-on-ones? And that's as well where HR can help managers in their choices of what techniques to use for, for managing and, and helping out what are the questions that you should be asking in, in one-on-ones. What are other, other ways of, of getting engagement and motivation and um, yeah, really supporting from that side. Amazing. I absolutely agree that HR has such an integral, should have such an integral role in helping to shape um, management culture in a company. And I think you also mentioned um, earlier, which I loved, is that Everybody in the company can go through these leadership trainings or these management trainings so that you understand your counterpart. So even if I am a sole contributor or if I'm maybe not a manager yet, but if I try these things out, I at least know what the other person um, I'm using mark deals with or has on their plate. And uh, I'm much more empathetic, which always helps better communication. I think that was at Reddit. And, and I actually do love that as well. It's, it's, again, one of those little hacks that I wouldn't have thought about. But by putting everyone through that training and understanding how hard that job as a manager is, um, that, that really helps to, for a better understanding. Another thing that I just thought of and, and heard was um, writing out, like, I lead myself, I lead others. I lead leaders and having those three steps and again, clearly defining on we're not at school here. You have some responsibility to lead yourself and this is what we expect from you. This is what you can expect from the manager and and, and then how do you manage managers then on manage, top of that? Managers and manage managers. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to also have your um, personal interpretation on actually what both these things mean, what makes a good manager to you and what makes a good leader and are they the same are they different if so how for Mm. you (laughs) um great question i think we often use the word synonymously now even though they're not 
we're expecting our managers, which is more the traditionally more the technical aspect of job management, to also be people leaders. Um, a leader is someone who should inspire others. You don't need a title for that. A leader is someone who others follow because they want to follow. A leader leads by example and has and has the the buy-in from others, whereas like a manager um, is more on the on the tactical side. Um, for us here internally, we have team leads and feature coordinators. So to just split that up from here is the projects that we're working on here, are the tasks that need to be split up. This is the tactical side. And then having a different conversation with your people leader, who's then helping you uh, talk about your career. Where do you want to go? What do you want to achieve here? How can I help you? And uh, really just splitting that up. So I think we're expecting managers to be good leaders both together of being organized and doing the managerial uh, tasks and being the inspiring leader is really, really hard to find together. Absolutely. I would say I've been fortunate enough that the people I've had reached out to and talked to are that we are blend very often of that they are managers and leaders at the same time. But they also admit that that's one of the challenges. They say that in their day to day, also still serving as a source of inspiration while at the same time, usually also ex executing a lot of things and organizing the execution of other things. Um, the combination of all three things is, is challenging and they do always have to be present about that and try to not lose the inspiration part, which is, of course, the one that usually falls off the table in the day-to-day. -day. So it is definitely a challenge. And I think if you're able to split this up, it also helps because some people are very task-focused and organized and it's super suited to them to, as I said, be like feature leaders and organize that. They're not so much of like, let's think widely outside the box or like have more in-depth conversations about why this process is this way or how you can maybe change it. Well, so that's maybe better if somebody else does that. I absolutely agree. Absolutely. That that totally helps to have the, the dedicated time of different conversations as well. And for anyone who is a manager and a leader, so tactical and people leader in an organization, really be mindful of taking time in your one-on-ones as well to talk about those things like career development and how are you? And not just we, we're tempted to always just go on next project and what are we working on here? What's the status? And use our one-on-ones our -on for updates, but really dedicating time to having conversations around learning and development and uh, career development within your organization or outside. Absolutely. That was something I always felt that I also needed to do more of that you get so sucked into the oh we have deadlines and what's the update on this that you don't ask so much about like the soft stuff I'd say in quotation marks out of it but they of course have an impact on everything so they're equally important work is a relationship we kind of take it out of context and think that at work we can do something differently or behave differently between people than we do privately and <laughs> It amuses me. Like we um, we have a whole ebook on human friendly performance management, where <laughs> Jason Lauritsen wrote about the relationship at work and and 
put that into the context of private life to just showcase how ridiculous some of the things are that we're doing. Like you wouldn't go to your spouse in the beginning of the year and sit down for an hour and say, right then, um, let us talk about your performance last year. I can really see you going to the gym a little bit more often and uh, take the rubbish out more. You get a two for this. And um, your goals for the new year is to lose five kilos. (laughs) And just tell people what what to do. You wouldn't yeah. behave like that in a in in, in a non work context. So if we think more around the relationships that we have at work and really creating more 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 trusting workplaces where people can be honest, then it'll benefit everybody involved. Yeah, then you can have the the better conversations because let's face it, like we take our work into our private life these days and we take our private life also to work. So we're not always at our top performance. We're sick. We have other issues. <laughs> If you know about that, you can accommodate around it and um, and and help people to transition through harder times. And also give them the opportunity to maybe excel because I think that also gets sometimes forgotten that if you just have a checklist for people, they will do that checklist right <laughs> but you're not giving them if you have conversations they might actually say like hey I actually had an idea or maybe I would like to try this and that turns out to be much more effective or amazing than anything you could have come up with but if you give them to their checklist you're also not going to see these opportunities absolutely enabling and empowering for people to own projects and, and be able to bring their side to the story as well um, that's that that is a big change from the traditional manager who tells you what to do and how to do it to actually letting go and saying hey we're a team and this is what we want to achieve how do we get there what are you best at how can you contribute to this and really just building building that team amazing conversation Linda I just wanted to finish up with uh, some quick last questions one of them being you mentioned two amazing resources which is uh, Radical Candor And the ebook that you have, which I will definitely link for everybody. Is there any other resources that we say, hey, check this out. This could be super helpful for you. Yeah, we actually recorded all of our panel discussions as well. So you can look and see what people at SoundCloud and Pinterest and uh, Reddit are doing and, and what their manager training looks like. So that's an amazing resource. Uh, Google has done a lot of work around managers. So there there's a lot there. And a book that I'm currently reading and I'm fascinated about is called Culture Map by Erin Meyer. And that really looks at how people from different cultures have different communication styles from low context to high context. And if you know what the other person, what what their approach to say feedback is, then you know better how to shift your conversation style to them. So if you're working in international teams or Uh, working with people from from different countries, then um, this whole culture map, mapping people out is really fascinating. That's super amazing, especially in a globalized world and with having companies that have teams all over or remote or whatever it may be. I think it's becoming more and more um, important to know how to work in those contexts. Because one thing is feedback giving the other thing is how the feedback is being received yes. and you want to make sure that the feedback is received well as well and that you did bring your comp- your point across without being too harsh but also uh, not have the other person understand what it is that you really mean so uh, I think I think that culture map and and understanding of the other person is super important absolutely and I also think 
it's funny because it's such a difficult middle ground because you can also veer on the other side that you're like, okay, there's one like critique thing I have, but I don't want it to come harshly. So I'm going to like smother it and all this positive stuff. And the other person walks away saying, well, that was amazing. I'm perfect. I'm amazing. I'm not changing anything. And you're like, well, there was this, but you know, I think it's a very middle ground of how to communicate. And that actually does bring me back to radical candor, which is exactly the example as well of, of um, Kim Scott working with, Sheryl Sandberg at, at Google and um, her coming out of a meeting and Cheryl said, you say I'm a lot. And Kim's first reaction is, well, that's not a problem. I have other things to do. <laughs> you just heard this amazing stuff that I'm going to be working on. I don't have time to focus on it. And so she goes a step further and says, well, we can get you some help and some training. And still, Kim didn't quite understand the impact that this um was making on Cheryl. So what Cheryl did then was say, all right, I don't think you quite understand. When you say um a lot, it makes you sound stupid. And that was then the time when Kim understood how important it is and that she really needed to do something about it, right? But you don't want to start a conversation with, oh, meanwhile, you sound stupid. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's that dance of getting your point across in a good way and that only works like when you're when you're that honest, when you also have that trust and and the care for the other person that you know that this is coming from a place where you actually want the other person to improve. Yeah. And it's not something that you say out of spite or, or 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 just to be nasty, but it is really of importance. Yeah. And that you also believe that they can improve, because I think that's also right. something that people feel like you're just telling me what I'm bad at and don't believe that I will be able to improve this. So you're saying just like, you're just bad at this period. And yes. that's also not helpful. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Do you have any parting advice that you'd like to share? Is there some maybe to people if they're trying to decide what their next step is, if they're trying to decide... Do you want to manage? Do you want to be a sole contributor? Or people who are already in those positions and that you'd say, hey, this is my best tip for you. I think it is an amazing experience to go through the journey of, of being a manager. Everyone should probably go through some kind of manager training to really understand what it means. And if that is your passion, by all means, follow that. But really look up what that job brings with it. And uh, if if that is not for you, have the courage to ask for what you need in your organization to grow without needing to move up the career ladder. Because organizations, if, if you're a top talent, if, if you're important to the organization, then there is a lot that they can do to help and shape the job around your skill set and find ways for you to improve and grow without you needing to move up the career ladder. Absolutely. And I think also knowing that you're still valued and that you can have an impact, that though those two things are not tied to management, but they're tied to you as a person and what you bring to the company that has nothing to do with whether you manage other people or you don't. <laughs> yeah, be honest with, with your strength. Be super honest to yourself of what it is that you want to achieve. Do you want a title just because it sounds better? Do you want a title becomes, because it comes with more money? Well, then that's a different conversation to be had. There has to be alternatives in the individual contributor path. And you can walk up to HR. And you can make suggestions and speak speak to your manager as well around your internal career development and mobility. And if you are in a position where they want you to become a manager, you're probably so valuable <laughs> for the organization that they will try and help you find a better position for you. 100% agree. Well, thanks so much, Linda, for taking the time. 
and the amazing insights from you and all the amazing experience you've had. I look forward to sharing this with the listeners. Thank you very much for having me on the show, Kat. I hope you came away from that episode feeling as inspired as I was recording it. And a reminder, when women support each other, incredible things happen. If the podcast has been helping you unleash the baddest boss within you, it'd be awesome sauce if you could leave a rating and review on iTunes. Thanks a bunch in advance for helping more kick women discover the podcast.